Welcome to the No Guilt Mom podcast. I am your host, Joanne Crone, here with my oh, it's festive co-host, Brie Tucker. <laughs> my, hello, hello, everybody. How are you? I get to use festive. I was wondering what adjective you're going to come up with. I was almost thinking resilient. Do you know, when I was a teacher, I there were these books out, like the festive teacher's classroom. And I'm like, oh, look at that. I wish I was a festive teacher. Because, you know, me and my like stuff, I don't like stuff. And so decorating kind of falls under stuff. And then I feel all the shame for not being festive. So there's a lot of emotional baggage that probably doesn't need to go with that word for me. But for you, I meant it in a positive way. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I totally get that. I'm thinking to myself with the festive teacher. Oh, my gosh. I would think that's like Pinterest, like like Gremlin Pinterest, where it just keeps multiplying. And it had all these beautiful things that you had to do that would also include hours and hours of crafting. Hours and hours of crafting. That really is festive in my mind. I'm like, festive crafting? No. That's right. That's not how I want to spend my time. You know, my dream would be to be able, because I, I absolutely love uh, Christmas. It was a big thing in my house mm -hmm. growing up. So that's my, that is my jam, right? Yeah. I would love to one day be able to hire those beautiful people that can come in and like design your house for you. I would you. love that. I would so love I. to have someone else come in and do that. Right? <laughs> like, so it's pretty, but you didn't have to put all that time, energy, and effort in. Yeah. I think that would really be my ideal thing. And I'm sorry to, to I hope I didn't offend any crafters out there. It is just. Oh, we're just like, hats off to you. Hats off to you. We, we want to hire have, you and yeah. give you all of our money. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we don't have that. I don't have the eye. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, it's really important to actually know like what you're good at and your strengths because that helps you be resilient, which helps you develop really good coping skills, which, which leads into our guest today. Which is a great segue. Yes. yes oh yes. my gosh. Janine Halloran is the founder of Coping Skills for Kids. She's a therapist and the author of several books, including the best-selling Coping Skills for Kids workbook. She creates resources to help kids learn healthy and safe ways to manage stress, anxiety, and anger. And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Janine. December is a busy, busy month in my house. And I know it's in your house too, Brie. Yeah, but you have a lot going on. Your birthday is on top of Oh my of gosh. Everything. We have my birthday. <laughs> we have my daughter's birthday. And then my daughter loves Christmas too. So she tries to like combine the Christmas and the birthdays. And then the dance recitals, the holiday dance recital, and the end of your stuff with Cub Scouts. I like was going to say. My head is about to explode. <laughs> but with all of these holiday activities, it's really, really hard to keep track of them, which is why. I am so thankful for Cozy, which is the number one organizing app that families use to juggle school schedules and practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even a workout or date night and all of the holiday activities that are going on right now. Oh my gosh, I love it. I wouldn't be able to make it every week without my Cozy app. Like just the fact that getting that agenda is a godsend every week. Okay, this is where you gotta be this week, Bree. Oh my, I love it. Sometimes it's what you need to make it through the day. You're like, if I look at everything for the month, like my head's going to explode. But since Cozy gives you a daily <laughs> agenda, you're just like, okay, I, I could do this. I could do this day. Yes, I can get this figured out. I even got reminders yesterday for everything I have going on this weekend. It's amazing how quickly I can forget things. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, 24 hours. I'm like, oh, I forgot I had that. Oh, yeah, that's coming up tomorrow again. Well, with our lives right now, it's essential to stay organized and have something do the organizing for you so that you have one less thing on your plate. And the best thing is it's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store. That's C-O-Z-I to get the free app today. And now on with the show. 
You want mom life to be easier. That's our goal too. Our mission is to raise more self-sufficient and independent kids, and we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to help you delegate and step back. Each episode, we'll tackle strategies for positive discipline, making our kids more responsible and making our lives better in the process. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast. Welcome to the No Guilt Mom Podcast, Didid. We're we're so happy to have you here and talk about all things coping skills that I think everybody needs during this time. So welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, and um, we had a great pre-interview with you where we were talking about all things crusty butt chickens and like <laughs> we just brought up all the stuff. We brought up all the stuff. Crusty <laughs> butt chickens, crazy roosters, crazy rooster <laughs> houses. Um, hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago, <laughs> but, um, I know this is going to be such a great conversation. Could you tell us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, professionally, I'm a licensed mental health counselor from Massachusetts, and I've been working with kids and teens and their families for 20 years. And part of the reason why I became a therapist is because personally, as a teenager, I went to see a therapist and it was phenomenal. Can you imagine as a teenager, you have an entire hour to talk about yourself? It was phenomenal. <laughs> and it was actually really helpful. Like I was working through a lot of different stuff and I was trying to figure out, you know, how to manage, you know, girl drama, all that sort of like teen angsty stuff. And I remember be- sitting in the therapy session, one therapy session one time, and I was like, I kind of think I want to do this with my life. How do I do that? (laughs) So we ended up having a really lovely conversation. And so that's where sort of like my interest in therapy started. And I really, it's my favorite. I love my job. I think it's fantastic. I get to play games all the time. And, um, you know, I had kids. And then one of the things that happened when I had kids is like, I was working in schools and I didn't necessarily want to be working full-time out of the house. So I started a business that was based on the strategies that I've used throughout therapy. So always been interested in coping skills, always been interested in having kids learn how to play and learn social skills through play. And so that's why I started my businesses. And then my husband pushed me to write a book and then it sort of snowballed from there, ladies. (laughs) That that's That's awesome. Phenomenal, phenomenal path. And I love how you describe having like a therapist as a teenager, just being like, have that hour just to talk about yourself. You describing that I'm like, man, I would love that as a teenager too. Right. And not having to have that conversation with your parents that know everything else. Right. Exactly. There's something so amazing about having a safe and trusted adult who is not also not going to be on you because your socks are on the floor. You have to do this. Or what about college? You know what I mean? Like it's a very different sort of interaction that you have with them. Or who isn't emotionally invested in you either, because (laughs) I feel like a lot of the, my kids problems I take on emotionally as well. So even though I, as a parent and there to listen to them, I feel I am also struggling to contain myself when I listen to them. I emphatically agree with that. Like in the case of our family, like I have a blended family in my household. And I think it is so phenomenal because my partner can say things to me from that non-emotional point of view of like, well, I think this is what's happening, you know, with your kid. And I think that this might be a good thing. And then I can say the same thing back to him. I'm like, I think you're a little emotionally involved in that one right there. Mm -hmm. And so helpful to have that. 
Yeah. That is really, really helpful. Cause I, I, you know, as a therapist, I actually, it's hard for me too to like separate and be able to be like, Ooh, but sometimes I will like, I will imagine I'm putting on a therapist hat and I will go into my daughter's room or go into my son's room and be like, I'm the therapist now I'm not mom. And I can help them work through something, but if they need more help, we will absolutely seek a therapist and have in the past. And we'll continue if we need to do it in the future, we will. Yeah. I like that idea of putting on a therapist hat. I feel like I need to do that sometimes when I mentally prepare myself and talking with my kids, then I'm like, I am the outside source that is not going to get emotionally involved. Here we go. It is <laughs> a lot easier said than done though. It is. That, that's some serious, well, a topic we're talking about. That's some serious coping skills that you need there to be able to handle that and to be able to have that. I don't want to call it six degrees of separation, but have some degree of separation. Okay. Yeah, no. And it, for me, it makes it easier because I do that all the time. Like when I walk into somebody's else's life, you know what I mean? Like I'm yes. basically walking into their life and I'm trying to be that other adult. So I've gotten used to being able to do that. And so I sort of, it's practice, right? Like you have to practice how to do it, but there are times it does not work. So yeah, <laughs> there are times right? I'm like, nope, uh, can you take care of that? I'm going to just step <laughs> out for a second. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee, go for a drive. Like I'm going to need you to take this. <laughs> Well, I think we bring it so much of our personal understandings of like stress and anxiety, like from our own childhoods, when we talk to our kids about it. And uh, I mean, from what I've heard that stress and anxiety, the way we experienced it as teens and as kids is very different than how kids are experiencing it now and what's coming. Like, so what have you seen in terms of like the stress and anxiety of kids today? I will have to say when I look back to the beginning of my career, anxiety was something like we talked about it. It was talked about in grad school. It was like, and you might see some people with anxiety and now it is everywhere. And I think so much has changed in terms of social media and the, like, if you are having a problem with a, per, with a person at school, you may not ex escape that. You know what I mean? It can follow you on social. It can follow you in your text threads. It can follow you everywhere. You know, if you are dealing with bullying, it's pervasive. It happens all over the place. Whereas if you're dealing with bullying at school, when we were growing up, you would like leave and you'd be like, phew, not to have to deal with that until tomorrow morning. That's true. Right. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference. And then there's also this intense, this intensity around the college process that was not there when I first started as a therapist. It just wasn't like everybody's talking about college, but it wasn't like I didn't have kindergartners like saving their work for like their Harvard like Harvard application, which did actually happen. Like that's it, crazy. <laughs> okay. Yep. Wow. Yep. Because it was so, it was also like one of those high performance, really wealthy districts that I worked in before. And I was like, you, this is not okay. Like this, we should not be taught your five color, mm -hmm. <laughs> please color. Oh my goodness. So that's when you think about that, right? Like think about all that additional pressure that's on kids. It's crazy. <laughs> it, it is crazy. So what I hear you saying is like social media, it just makes it all the time. You can't escape your problems. And then this intense pressure to achieve. And to yep. achieve it, like the highest level is really wearing on kids so much more than what we had growing up so much more. So you talk about the need for coping skills and you mentioned that there are six different types of coping skills. Can you run us through those? 
I've been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs even on busy mornings. And oh my gosh, has it been busy lately. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day every day and it makes me feel energized even like I still add the coffee on there because I like it a lot. AG1 tastes really good too and I enjoy my glass every single morning. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. That's drinkag1.com forward slash NGM. Check it out. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Yep, absolutely. So I, after like going through, I, I'll tell you just a quick story. The reason why I started coming up with this, I was working with a group of like preteens, teenage girls, and I was going through coping skills, and I was going through strategies and stuff like that, and they were like, I had this one little girl with an attitude. She was like, this list is too long, Janine. I cannot figure this out. And I was like, okay. Um, That that, that tone sounds familiar. Like you can't have heard it before in my house. Okay. Yeah. Like I can do it really well because I hear it all the time. And so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think we all become experts in that. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So then right there in the moment, we just started dividing them up. It was really an interesting sort of organic experience. And over time I was like, oh, these do have sort of like these different categories that make sense. So I talk about relaxation and I sort of divide that into two. So that's like deep breathing is one section of that. And then the relaxation strategies like Um, grounding and imagining your favorite place and doing some progressive muscle relaxation. Those would all fall into like, you're trying to relax and calm your body down. That's funny. You say the grounding. I was uh, just uh, meditating with my daughter the other night. Like we do these meditations on the Peloton app and it's like one of those clear your mind things, which is what I would be doing. I would be doing the deep breathing and relaxation. 
But she, at the end, she's like, they told me to clear my mind, but all I could think about was Disneyland. And it just made me happy. So I kept thinking about Disneyland. So it was grounding. <laughs> that was the grounding she was doing. <laughs> I love her. She's fantastic. <laughs> Go with it. Because that's what you, that's her favorite. If that's a really favorite place for her, then yeah. that's relaxing for her. And it's really hard to clear your mind. P.S. Like, it, is, it is really oh, hard I to never managed mind. to clear my mind. Yeah. yeah it doesn't turn off. Really I, I've lost the off switch. If yeah. you see it anywhere, yeah. let me know. Yeah. No, I always, when I do mindfulness, it's like, I can, I try to focus on a word or a sound because otherwise, and then I'm just like, and I'm bringing my mind back and I'm bringing my mind back. Cause mm-hmm. I just cannot like I, the clear mind. It's not a thing for me. It's very like, hard. It's hard. <laughs> so relaxation is one coping skill. What are relaxation, the Relaxation, Distraction, which is actually a way to give your brain a break. It's not avoiding or denying or suppressing emotions, but like play is a natural stress reliever for kids. So they should do it and they should have opportunities to do that. And beyond just video games, and I'm not anti-video game, I play video games, but like board games, uh, building, all sorts of things where they are being creative, reading, arts and crafts, that sort of stuff to give their brains a break and to allow them to have some creativity and some fun. And then there's also movement, which is just moving your body in big or small ways. So like jumping jacks or going for a run or taking a walk in nature or squeezing a stress ball or squeezing Play-Doh. And then there's sensory, which is really focused on your senses. So breathing and calming sense if that's something that works for you, sipping warm tea, sipping hot cocoa, getting a cool drink of water, that kind of thing. And then there's finally processing and processing is really focused on your emotions and your thoughts. So like exploring how you feel things and where you feel things in your body, what you are feeling, journaling about what's going on for you, figuring out the things that are tough for you. So I tend to see that kids gravitate towards one or two sort of strategies. And so it makes it sort of easier to like, if you have that like list, then they can go through and be like, Ooh, I like this. I like this. I like this. I can do this the next time that something is going awry. (laughs) That's awesome. No. So I'm curious, do you see a certain age group tending to go towards a certain, like more of one than another, or is it's really just uh, different for each individual? It's different for each individual. It's like kid dependent more than age dependent. So, you know, just like they have like different ways of learning, they have different ways of coping. So in my house, I have two kids. I have my son who is sensory and movement all the way. He was in utero and he still is now. And (laughs) they just come born that that. way. Just dancing. <laughs> yeah, like, all, like rolling. He would roll all the time. <laughs> They'd be like, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, and then my daughter, who's really super into relaxation and super into distraction. She loves arts and crafts. That That is her, she loves it. She will sit down and that will help clear her mind. She loves doing progressive muscle relaxations, actually. She does some deep breathing. She's like super not cool on all the deep breathing things, but she's found a couple of things that she loves. So that's her that's she's more of a like I'm not gonna run around like my brother I'm gonna sit down and chill out that's but sounds like my daughter as well so I'm curious if you've got a kiddo that you know needs to work on these and is resistant to the basic ones which I think most of us know about the deep breathing Mm -hmm. right that's a pretty pretty common one that a lot of us know about or talking about your thoughts and feelings, the processing part. And they're like, no, neither of those work for me. Do you have any advice on like a good way to kind of get their feet wet, get their toes in there so that maybe they can start expanding? 
Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I wouldn't, I would say don't give up as the parent. I know because they like, they can be kind of attitude right? Especially like teenagers, <laughs> oh, like yeah. they yeah. don't want to, right? They don't want to. Um, so sometimes I will do it with them and I will try and get them with something that is more interesting to them. So like I've tried mindfulness by eating chocolate with my teenage clients. And even actually I did it remotely with my kids. Yep. I had a couple of clients I was seeing remotely during COVID. And I mean, it's really hard to see little ones. I mean, they're not super little, but they're like upper elementary, early middle school. And I was like, we're doing mindfulness. I'm sending you some Lindor. Don't open it till I get there. <laughs> like we're on screen together and we eat the chocolate together and we like pay attention to how it feels in our mouths and the taste. And we talk about it. Right. So it, there's like trying to find creative ways to get them to try something and then also doing it with them. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times like you do, you're like, Oh, let's do this thing. And you're, they're like, I don't want to do it. And it's like, and it's weird. Like if you're sitting there as the adult and there's a kid and they're like doing something and they're, you're just watching them. That's strange. So like mm-hmm. doing it with them makes it a little bit easier. And then you can have that shared conversation of I liked that, or I didn't really like that. That didn't feel good in my body. You know, like just being upfront about it and like, Oh, how did, what was your reaction to it? How did it go for you? I love that. Yeah, I love I'm it. going yeah. out to go get some uh, chocolate or what are those little things? Not boba, but like uh, flavor pearls or whatever. Oh, you know those things that you can get at the yogurt shop? Well, it's funny that you oh. mentioned chocolate because I actually had a therapist who gave me homework that I had to get my favorite chocolate and eat it for like take five minutes to eat it every night. Now I'm like, oh, now you know now what, she, I know was what doing. she was doing. She yep. was doing mindfulness with me. So when kids have all of this stress and anxiety, what are some things like parents can start doing right now to help them with it? Yep. So I would say the first thing and the most basic thing is to label their feelings, label their emotions. I love doing that. It is actually really powerful. And I've seen it happen so many times in my career. It's like kind of funny to think about when it seems so simple, but it actually makes such a difference when a kid can be like, I'm so angry. And then suddenly you see them like sort of settle and they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, now we can have a conversation. Like, all right, I see that you're angry. I'm here for you. Let's talk about what made you angry. (laughs) Let's, let's figure this out. Even my own son, like I'm so frustrated, especially remote school y'all. Um, and so (laughs) like, Um, To getting him to like calm down and do what he needed to do was just being able to say, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I don't like this. And you talk about Dr. Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson, their work and in terms of labeling your emotions makes it so much easier to then self-regulate. So that is such a huge piece of being able to help kids be able to regulate themselves as they go through life, just to be able to say, I'm feeling that I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling worried. I'm feeling anxious. And now let's do something. Yep. They got to be able to name it to tame it, man. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I took name the words out of my mouth. I was going <laughs> to quote that, that Dr. Siegel and Dr. Tammy Payne Bryson. <laughs> I love them. I love, love, love it. I, I am super fans of them. We had Dr. Tina Payne Bryson on the podcast and we were both like, hi, <laughs> <laughs> little star talk. but I love that. I love the labeling part because I come from early childhood, like zero to five. And like, I felt like that was the message that I was hoping that there is one thing parents got out of the work I was doing with them was that the world of emotions go beyond happy, sad, and mad. 
Yes. And the more words you can give your child, the more that they can understand what's happening and be able to figure out how to move through those emotions. Exactly. Not, not go around them, right? Yeah, but through. move through them. Move through them, learn how to take them on and deal with them and increase your emotional load or be able to tolerate more. And I think emotions. that something you just said is a big, is a really good point with so much going on. And, and in our pre-conversation before we started the podcast, we were talking about how this year, well, let, not this year, how COVID has brought a lot of different stresses and anxieties into our households. Every single household has been touched in some way, shape or form with it. And I think that explaining to our children in detail about these feelings that we don't typically use to describe when they're really young, talking about, about what anxiety feels like, what I feel anxious. I feel frustrated. I feel confused. Those kinds of words have to be so helpful for kids these days. Yes, yes absolutely. Labeling your emotions is one thing that parents can do today. What else can they do? If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. The second thing I would recommend is to practice gratitude as a family. It is so easy to focus on the negative. It is, it's, our brains are sort of wired to do that. And in order to rewire our brains, we need to practice looking for the good. So by practicing it, we will find more good and you can do it as a family. And I, it doesn't have to be like big or complicated. You can just say it out loud at dinner. That's what we do in our house. We don't make it, I don't, you can do something really fancy, like getting a gratitude jar or writing it down on slips of paper and making a paper chain. Like you can go real fancy. And when my kids were little, I was all about that. Like I was the perfect preschool teacher, mom. Um, <laughs> but now that they're older, they don't necessarily want to do that. And so we just talk about it at dinner, especially as COVID was really like we were in lockdown. It was really hard and it was a lot of emotions and crying. And so it's just finding one good thing. It doesn't matter how big or how small 
it's just one good thing a day. And then, you know, they, everybody says it. So we, and all the adults have to say it too. So we get a chance to practice as a family. They hear it from us. We hear it from them and we can bond over those things. And it's funny because when you ask kids to like tell gratitude and notice their gratitude, and then it's turned on you as an adult, you realize how hard it is. Yeah. Because like, I, I do gratitude with my kids in the car when I pick them up from school and they're like, okay, well, what, like, what's good with you, mom. And I'm here and I'm thinking, and I'm like, man, like, this is a skill I need to work on as well, because it doesn't immediately come to mind. Okay. You have a really good trick though, to get them to tell you the good things in the car. I have a box of sweet tarts in my car. <laughs> I love and- it. But it's how I got them going. My kids love candy. And I'm like, okay, one sweet tart for every positive comment. And they were like, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I'm like, okay, we have to stop at three. <laughs> and then tomorrow we'll do some more. But now like it's gotten to the point where my son who before would come into the car and be like, oh, it was such a bad day. He'll come into the car and he'll tell me immediately one good thing that happened. Oh, I that love day. that. Yeah. And he doesn't expect a sweet tart for it either. So, yep. He's, he's rewired his brain. And so now he's looking for them. <laughs> He's rewired it. So yay for gratitude. So we have labeling emotions, practicing gratitude. What's like one more thing we can give to parents they could do right now. I would say that parents need to, as you were talking about, turning it on ourselves and showing that we are human and we need to cope too. So using our own coping strategies and being okay with being imperfect. That's the thing. As parents, we are going to make mistakes and no kid wants a perfect parent. You know what I mean? No kid wants a parent who doesn't make a mistake, but to own our mistakes and to own our own emotions and our own feelings and our own behaviors and to apologize when we need to, and to say, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm going to take a break, or I'm feeling a little bit worried right now. I'm going to go do this thing, or I'm really upset right now. Can we go and maybe like do something together that would really help me. You know what I mean? Like something like that, where you can actually say like, we, we have emotions, we can do something about it and we can make ourselves feel better to be that role model of not perfection, but like being okay with imperfection. I think, yeah, it's so important. And I, it's becoming more popular these days to actually show emotions, which I'm really, really thankful for. Um, I know I follow Glennon Doyle and like, I read her stuff about like just having sad days. And this past weekend I had a sad day where I was just teary. There was no reason why. And my kids were like, are you okay? And it felt weird being like, I'm just sad today and that's all. And I'm just going to cry a little bit, but it's, it's hard showing that as a parent because we didn't have any models before us. Like we're kind of like the first parenting models, our generation uh, of showing emotions and making it okay. I agree with that. And I, and I think it makes a big difference to our kids because like you just said, if your parent is it, it models perfection and models like complete emotional regulation and never shows any emotions, then you learn that that's what you need to do too. And then you start to think something's wrong with you because you have emotion. And also, doesn't that turn your parent into someone who can't really give you advice on emotions? Oh, I'm not going to go to mom about it because she never shows that she gets upset. So she, there's no, how could she know how I feel? Mm-hmm. How could she understand? Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's something powerful when parents, I actually saw this a few weeks ago, a parent was actually talking about their own anxiety and like their kid was like, you feel that you have that in your body. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, he does. So go talk to your dad now. (laughs) 
Yeah. Right. You know what? That also reminds me. And I, you might remember who you heard this from, but somebody had said an influencer of sorts about how like we need to hold it together for our kids at all times. Oh, it was probably Rachel Hollis. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like that was such, know, such she, not good information. It was no. not good information. No, it was right? not good information. Like <laughs> there's times when we need to hold it together somewhat, but it doesn't mean that we don't show any emotions. Yeah. Yeah. You're so. not that brick wall. No, that's not normal. <laughs> yeah, not normal. Exactly. It's not normal. You're supposed to be able to process. Well, Janine, this has been such an amazing conversation. And I know like once we hit this interview, like off, we're probably going to talk with you more, but uh, <laughs> as we're going, what is one thing that you're looking forward to in your own life that's coming up? Oh my gosh. In my own life, personally or professionally, either one, either one or both. Okay. So I'm a little bit, I'm nervous, excited about this thing that's coming up. Nerve sighted. I call it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Um, so I'm going back to my college because I was awarded the alumni entrepreneur of the year, but I get very nervous. I public speak all the time, but I still get nervous about it. So I'm like nervous to be in my college where I took all like my big courses. So I like, I have to get up and take the award and then I'm actually doing a talk the next day. So I'm excited and I'm nervous. My kids are coming to my college and they've never seen it. And I'm going to see like my old college roommate. I haven't seen her in like 10 years. So excited that is exciting congratulations congratulations yes I was like yeah I'd be nerve-sided too I'm gonna use that word I know I made a note nerve-sided nerve-sided word to add well thank you so much Janine uh we will have links in the show notes where people can find you and get more of your goodness and uh, we'll talk to you soon thank you so I got Janine's book right after we interviewed her you did? I did. I did. It's actually right here. I didn't even show you. Like, it's right here. The Coping Skills for Kids Workbook. Oh, my gosh. I love it. And um, I had my son go through it. I, like, sold it to him. I was like, you know what? I need some coping skills, too. And I'll go through this workbook with you. And so at breakfast yesterday, we opened up the table of contents. And she has it, like, listed in the subjects that she talked about in our episode, like the grounding techniques, the distraction techniques, the processing coping skills, the physical coping skills, like all there. And he was looking through distraction coping skills. And he was really, really happy with something he found there. What did he find? Play video games is oh. one of the skills <laughs> that Janine lists in her book. And so I think like that was immediate buy-in for him because he's like, yes, that is a coping skill. She gets me, mama. She gets me. <laughs> but it's also funny because he went to uh, the calming coping skills and he po- pointed to grounding techniques. And he's like, no, no. And I'm like, what? And then I realized. You're like, it's a different kind of grounding, it's dude. It's a different kind of grounding. Different yeah. type of grounding. Well, I just... Honestly, I have not felt like more connected with somebody in a long time like I did with Janine. Mm-hmm. Like everything she was saying, I 100% felt supported and was like, yes, those are all the things that I would love to do. And I have to say, the suggestion of eating chocolate as a therapeutic technique to help with mindfulness, I love it's really Brilliant. good. It's so funny when she mentioned that because actually in I've been in therapy before and my therapist actually told me to do that. Like she said, what's your favorite chocolate? And I'm like, Ghirardelli's dark chocolate sea salt caramel squares. Have you had those? I Yes. One time I think you shared one with me. Oh, well, what's your favorite chocolate? Um, I am definitely a peppermint person. So oh, yeah, like I, anything like with, with mint. I don't, I don't have a favorite because... Um, chocolate really isn't my, my, my huge thing. What if they did pumpkin and chocolate? Would that work? 
No. No? I don't think so. What What you would get me for a mindfulness technique would be ice cream. Ice cream. Eating it slowly and all that, like being thoughtful, thoughtful. of the whole process, like that. It is really yeah. hard though because when you're being mindful and you're eating chocolate, like it's so good and you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to eat the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you get really bad. <laughs> At least I did. But it helps you in the moment. It helps you in the moment. It so does help. It was awesome. So I just, I loved having Janine and I am so looking forward to, you're going to be on her podcast. Yes. Yes. I'm going to be on her podcast in January. Oh my gosh. So look for that episode. Yes, and we had a great conversation. That. And when I popped on with her and it was actually like this morning that we're doing this recording, I had my interview with Janine and like, it was just like an old friend. Oh yeah, we're gonna. She's you guys wonderful. are gonna see more of her. We are gonna have some more collaborations coming for sure. Yes. So. so remember, the best mom is a happy mom. Take care of you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.